Hi, this is Pastor Wilson. Thank you so much for joining our podcast, Renew Church OC, where we pre- present different sermon series that I hope will enrich your life. The next six weeks, we'll be going through our series, Unstuck, where we go through six stages of spiritual development and how we can progress from one stage to another while appreciating each stage that we're in. I hope it helps you on your spiritual journey as you get a landscape of where God is taking you now and where he's taking you in the years to come. God bless. All right. Um, hey, guys, while we transition, we're going to put up the, uh, the discussion question. If you guys can uh, huddle into groups in twos and threes, make sure you don't leave anyone out. This is a very uh, light question. <laughs> How would you feel and what would you do if you knew you were going to die in 60 seconds? Okay. Go. Thank you for your enthusiasm in sharing this, your answer to this question. My answer would be if I have 60 seconds to live, I would definitely hug my family for 60 seconds. And during that time, I would be torn. I said, I would think about being with Jesus, such a great thing, but at the same time, I'm not going to be able to be with my family. A little bit of tornness, kind of what Paul would feel in his passage that we're going to be looking at later today. So we've been on the teaching series called Unstuck, sick going through the six stages of spiritual journey, and today is our last of our series. So let's briefly go over and review the five stages again. Stage one is the recognition of God. In this stage, there is an awakening, kind of like the scales fall off our eyes and we suddenly see God for the first time. Stage two is the life of discipleship. This stage is designed by the, defined by learning and, and also belonging. Learning the foundations of our faith, like the power of God's word and prayer, and the importance of community. Then there is stage three, productive life. Do the doing stage that is marked by discovering one's talent and gifts and contributing to the community. Here, you've got to be careful not to be driven by ambition. Stage four is journeying inward, where one feels unsettled, the rise of questions and doubts will bring one to a crisis of faith. Here, we need to look out for unhealthy introspection. And there is the wall. Somewhere here between stage four and five, we hit a wall where our will meets God's will face to face. And we are challenged to surrender the last part of ourselves that we are still holding out from God. Stage five, journey outward. That's where we discover God and accept his love and spend a lot more couch time with him. Fully surrendered, we re-enter the active world with a newly grounded self. Finally, stage six is today's topic, is the life of love. A life that is marked fully by the love of God, and then all the stuckness that I mentioned would just diminish. So let's unpack the stage further. Ken? All right. According to the book Critical Journey, uh, these are the elements which uh, highlight and profile someone in stage six. Person in stage six is detached from things and stress. He or she has abandoned life, willing to sacrifice even to the point of death. 
This person is constantly abiding, walking with Christ. Is Christ-like, living in total obedience to God. Has great wisdom gained from life's struggles and is compassionately living for others. In a nutshell, a stage six person is our spiritual Yoda. <laughs> As Wilson uh, taught us uh, last week, stage five with the story of Martha and Mary, and even more so now, the major task in stage six is intimacy with Christ. It's couch time with Jesus. Everything flows from there. Intimacy with Jesus becomes our new power base. Over my lifetime, I've noticed that I go through this cycle of surrender, intimacy, and power. <laughs> I used to show this slide to our family devotes, so my kids are traumatized by this slide. But anyway, um, so intimacy, surrender, intimacy, and power. So let me kind of give you a sense for what that looks like. I go about doing life my way, setting my own course, not trusting in God and his direction, and essentially rebelling against his will for me. Eventually, I would fall flat on my face, or I would find myself in a deep pit. And I would there cry out to God and surrender to his life and love for me. Then Jesus would meet me at the bottom of this pit, and he would tenderly forgive, heal, and restore. It is here that I would learn to hear his voice, know his heart, and feel his presence. He would then pick me up, anoint me with his Holy Spirit, and give me the courage and strength and power to do life again. Then time would pass. Pride would seep in. Ego, insecurities would set in. Doubt would set in, and I would stray once again. And the cycle repeats itself. Early in life, this cycle would take a long time as I was very slow to surrender. As I grew older, I would finally surrender quicker. Uh, almost instantly at times, which would drive me to intimacy faster and longer, and I would have more sustained power. Fueled by intimacy, this power is there to feel his deep love and to hear his voice for others, Christians and non-Christians alike. This power lets me forgive my enemies, this power lets me cast out demons in Jesus' name. This power gives me insight in treating patients who are suffering with cancer. In stage six, we stay submerged in intimacy, and everything flows from there. So we want to look at this passage in Philippians that really sets intimacy with Christ as our primary focus. Philippians 1, 20 to 26, if you have your devices, you can 
open up, uh, or you can read along on the screen, and I'll read this uh, as you follow. It is my eager expectation and hope that I, Paul, will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to reign... To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul is writing from a Roman prison to his beloved brothers and sisters during his, uh, he established the church in Philippi, and he planted this church during his second missionary journey. Despite his circumstances, the theme of this letter is joy in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. 4. Different than happiness, joy is that quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives. So let's take a deeper dive. It says, it is my eager expectation and hope. Paul's greatest longing and passion is that what? Christ be honored in his life. The original word for honored means to make or declare great, to magnify, to extol, to glorify. And he goes on to say, how he honors, magnifies, and glorifies Christ. It says, for or because to me, is, to, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. His passion is to honor Christ, whether by life to live is Christ or whether by death to die is gain. So I'm going to be unpacking the death side and then Chrissy will come back and expand on the life side. Paul says, for me to die is gain. Which then begs the question, how in the world is dying gain? Five years ago, we buried my dad. Last year, we buried my mom. Some of you had a chance to know them. Obviously, this was a tremendous loss for us. In death, you lose everything. You lose your family, your friends, your house, car, iPhone. Every earthly possession is gone. And every experience in life, a loved one's wedding, the perfect sunset, a warm Hawaii breeze, and of course, boba. <laughs> All that is gone when we die.
And Paul tells us why dying for him is gain in verse 23. He says, my desire is to depart, i.e. die, and be with Christ, for that is far better. In Greek, this far better literally says very much far more better. Paul is saying, to me, to die is very much far more better. Turn to your neighbor and say, to die is very much far more better. Go ahead. Go ahead. To die is very much far more better. Okay. So why is dying so very much far more better? And it says right here, to die is to be with Christ. But you say, hold on a minute, Paul. You get to be with Christ right now in life. You don't need to wait until you die. Yes, but in death, you get the fullness of Christ. Undistracted, unhindered, more joy, more satisfaction, more pleasure in him, more everything good. For Paul, to die is gain. Christ be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So what does that look like? To live is Christ. We know that it is more than merely existing. We don't want that. Paul describes it here as the kind of life that produces fruitful labor, verse 22, that benefits the body of Christ. And verse 24 says, it is more necessary for your account. Verse 25, it emphasizes, it is for your progress and joy. Fruitful labor. Next slide. Fruitful labor. To Paul, it includes enjoying the beauty of life. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It includes winning people to the love of Jesus in Romans 1.13. It includes maturing in the fruit of the Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's all listed in Galatians 5. In other words, live fully the kind of life that brings the beauty of God's heavenly kingdom to earth. But Paul struggled. Paul struggled with between living this kind of life or dying. Fourteen years ago in 2009, Satan striked a terrible blow to our family. My faith in God was completely shattered. As a result, I withdrew from ministry completely, stopped going to church, cut off from practically all of my friends. And that's on top of my underlying um, depression. And at that point, I contemplated suicide. This went on for a year, and I was in so much pain that I really wanted to die. One night, as I sobbed and wrestled again with God on this issue of life or death, the Holy Spirit gave me a gift of clarity. 
If I kill myself, Satan would win, and my family, my marriage, everything would be destroyed. Instead, live. Live in such a way to make Satan regret messing with his child. Live in such a way to make Satan regret messing with a child of God. I was taken aback by this revelation. It was so clear, and it made so much sense. That night, I listened to the Holy Spirit and made the decision for life. And the kind of life that would make Satan regret bothering me. Let's look again at the passage and see what other reason Paul gives for living. To live is Christ. Paul said in verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And 25, it says, for your progress and joy. This is stage six perspective. It is not about me. The laboring is necessary for your account, your progress, and your joy. For Paul, death was not the sacrifice. Living was. And living is in Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ liveth in me. Jesus would be better, far better off united with the Father in heaven and enjoying each other's company, yet he chose to empty himself. In Philippians 2, emphasize, he empties himself for our sake. Paul is saying, I choose to live in Christ, and a major part of that is for the sake of others. Living for others. For Ken and I, living for others include mentoring and life coaching with our young adults. It's been our utmost joy and pleasure to walk along this faith journey with the young adults in this congregation. In primarily counseling, we get to discover the couple's relational dynamics and share with them many of our mistakes and infuse wisdom and discernment into this important stage of their life. In spiritual direction, I get the privilege of standing in the gap connecting the directee's heart with God's heart. And in inner healing prayer, Ken and I get to witness how Jesus heals the emotional wounds and traumas of our beloved brothers and sisters and in reestablishing the path to an abundant life in him. Make Satan regret messing with his child. To live is Christ. Don't just merely exist. Live the kind of life that produces fruitful labor, that benefits the body of Christ, and expand God's beautiful kingdom. So Paul wants us to honor, magnify, glorify Christ in both his living and his dying. Now while we can understand how Paul's living can glorify Christ, how does his dying glorify Christ? Did you ever think about this? When you and I die, how do we glorify Christ? Remember, death is not the landing place. 
Death is merely a doorway. It's a doorway to the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. So let me ask the question another way. What is the one thing that we do, both in life and in heaven, that glorifies Christ? So death is a doorway to heaven. The question is, what is the one thing that we can do now in life and we will continue doing in heaven that glorifies Christ? I borrowed these slides from our Psalm 71 message. Some of you were there. The one, the one and only thing that we can do in both life and in heaven is intimacy with Christ. It is enjoying God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And our enjoying him brings him glory. He is honored and glorified by our close, intimate relationship with him. It's unbelievable, it's unfathomable, and this is the good news. The chief end of man is to glorify him, and we glorify him by enjoying him. John Piper puts it this way, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So how is Jesus honored, magnified in our life? The answer, in our intimate, all-satisfying relationship with him. It's living in heaven while on earth. And how is Jesus honored, glorified in our death? in our intimate, all-satisfying relationship with him, living in heaven without earth. It's one and the same. Death is a doorway, the final doorway to heaven. But this doorway between heaven and earth is available to us now. We are living in two worlds at the same time. Let me give you an illustration Say this carpet represents my life on earth. And let's say this dark area is heaven. So death is a doorway. I'm passing from life into eternity, into heaven. It's a final doorway. Once we cross over, there's no earth left. We are in the heavenlies with Christ. But when Jesus came to establish his kingdom, he gave us the doorway now. We can be in both worlds at the same time. We can step foot in heaven, one foot in heaven, one foot on earth. And our calling is to be in both. I'm in heaven, I'm doing my morning devotions, I'm reading revelations, I'm one with Christ. I go to work, I'm in earth. I step one foot in heaven and on earth. Intimacy with Christ, intimacy with Christ. I am in both heaven and on earth at the same time. So this morning as I have one foot on earth and one foot in heaven, as I look out over my beloved brothers and sisters, I don't see people. 
I, I sense God's love for you guys. I see his eyes upon you. I see he understands what you're struggling with. He wants to love on you. He wants to hug you. And I can't explain it other than I'm, I'm in between, right? I'm here with you, but my heart is with Christ, and I sense his heart for you. That's being on heaven and on earth at the same time. I remember years back, Christy and I, we brought a, a bunch of people to, to learn about inner healing prayer. And as we enter uh, the church, uh, there were others gathered, and they say, oh, see that lady uh, in the side of the, of the room? And we looked over. So this was an 85-year-old sister uh, who was, you know, uh, small and obviously aged. And they would say, she is a spiritual giant. She spends most of her time in heaven and some of her time on earth. And when you go to her to ask for prayer, watch out, she will download heaven to you. <laughs> right? Watch out, she will download heaven to you. And when she speaks words into your life, it's powerful. And when she chases darkness away, it's powerful. The enemy runs. This is the spiritual giant. This is stage six. Intimacy with Christ, spending time in the heavenly realm, now in life, as well as beyond, that is our primary task. Everything about who we are and what we do flows from here. This is stage six. But Let's let Yoda summarize stage six for us. And here we go.
And I know that there's Yodas all over uh, surrounding you, so make sure you hug a Yoda today. So to summarize uh, both stage six and Philippians one, for me, for me to die is gain. Detached from things and stress, abandoned life, willing to sacrifice even to the point of death. To live as Christ, constantly abiding that intimate walking with Christ on a daily basis. Being Christ-like, living in total obedience to God, having great wisdom gained from life's struggles, compassionately living for others. And let's pray. Father, I, I thank you uh, just for your spirit this morning that we can get a taste of heaven on earth, that we can be inspired to want to live that life of intimacy with Christ. And again, as I put one foot on earth and heaven, um, I just want everyone to stand up for a minute. Please stand up for a minute. And I want you to put your hands out and close your hands in a fist. This is how we live a lot of our lives, right? We're clutching on to things that make us feel secure. We're holding on to things that maybe not of God. We want to take control and not give God control. God is calling us today to open those hands. Go ahead. And as we open these hands, maybe reluctantly, we're afraid of the things that will fall away, that will fall out. Yet God wants to pour into those now open hands. I want you to feel and sense the love of God pouring into those open hands right now. I want you to feel and sense the joy, the intimacy, the closeness of Jesus in your life and that he wants more of that. He wants to give you more of that. And as things flow from heaven through your hands to those around you, You are moving with power through intimacy with Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that there's nothing that life can give and nothing that death can take away that we already don't have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood. 
whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um, through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.